This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Still feels kind of surreal. Still a little hard to believe. Pittsburgh Steelers playing a playoff game on Super Wild Card Weekend, but it's time to pinch yourselves because it's real and it's time to start getting ready for the Kansas City Chiefs round two. Tough to beat a team twice in this league we call the NFL. And that's pretty much the only optimism that I can sum up for this. It's tough to beat a team twice. <laughs> that's the only thing I'm able to hang my hat on and say, well, maybe the Steelers can pull something off. Look, everything is on the table in the playoffs. Everything's on the table in the regular season in the NFL. Especially this year. I mean, the Jags beat the Colts to get the Steelers into the playoffs. I think there was a more far-fetched notion in people's minds that the Jags would beat the Colts than it would be for the Steelers to go in Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs in Wild Card Weekend. Now, maybe I'm wrong about that. But, I mean, you're talking about a 9-7-1 and team beating a team that's 12-5 and versus a team that's 9-7 and trying to get into the playoffs with a win and losing to a team that was 2-14. and So It depends. Are you higher on the Chiefs than you are lower on the Jaguars? Yeah, probably. But I still think that a team like the Steelers, who are better than the Jaguars are oh, by, by far, miles— yeah have a better chance to pull that upset off than you'd think the Jaguars would. So what I'm trying to say here is stranger things have absolutely happened in the NFL, and I do not think it's wise to completely punt on this game yet. I mean, is it a long shot? Of course it is. You're you're a double-digit favorite in the playoffs. It's the biggest point spread in the first round of the playoffs. I don't know if I agree with it either because I think Tampa over Philly should be a little bit bigger. I guess Tampa's problems in their receiving core might be yeah. holding that line down mm-hmm. a bit. But, yeah, you're the biggest underdog, and a lot of people will probably say you're the worst of the 14 playoff teams that are in the field. If not, bottom 13. Yeah, like You're will, probably no better than second worst. We will power rank all 14 of the playoff teams in a later episode of Steelers Standard that drops today, so make sure you keep an eye out for that. But... Let's rewind the clock to week week sixteen to start things off here. You did a little and Doctor Strange action there. I, I used my time stone because yeah. we're rewinding the clock into week sixteen because thirty six to ten, that's the final score of that game in Arrowhead Stadium, and it was really a, a bloodbath from the beginning. The main thing to start with is something that Tomlin has said constantly. And that is, you can't have the turnovers against a team like this. You know, he every time he talks about that first meeting with Kansas City, he constantly cites the turnover differential and how the Steelers had three turnovers and didn't get a single takeaway for their own benefit. Uh, I think there was an interception in the end zone, but it was called back because of Hayward going offside. Uh-huh. So you can't give the ball away to a team like this three three times and not get it back for yourself at all you can't go minus three in the turnover battle against the team as prolific as Kansas City I'm not saying that you have to take the ball away but you can't it have would it be, be nice that dis- it would be nice to take the ball right away. but the disparity can't be that big you can't turn it over is mainly the the mm-hmm. the big thing uh if you're gonna give the ball back to the offense give Harvin a, a chance to punt and pin them deep and give them a long field to work with it's not foolproof. They'll work with a long field constantly and get 80 yards to pay dirt and score. 
But I still would rather have them have to go through that rigmarole of an 80-yard drive as opposed to sure. getting the ball on their own 40 or getting the ball at midfield and scoring easily. The problem that people have been noting about this Chiefs team is the fact that they used to be this big splash play kind of team where Pat Mahomes chucks it up to whether it's Tyreek Hill or one of their other billion options that they have that they cycle in this last three-year, four-year window that can also go deep for them. And then they throw it to Travis Kelsey over the middle, and it's about a four-play, 75-yard drive. The problem with the Chiefs this year, the problem with planning against them, is that they've shown this year that they can methodically move the ball down the field. 75, 80 yards, sometimes 90 yards, I think I saw once earlier this year. 10-play, 11-play, 12-play drive. They're doing something that we have not seen them do before, and that's why I think they're so dangerous this year compared to others. Yeah, I mean, they're they're the best offense in football, I think. I know that the Cowboys are technically the better offense. The highest scoring. And the Buccaneers, I think, get a little bit more points per game than the Chiefs do. But if I had to choose, if I my life was on the line and— Your Super Bowl favorite right now is the Kansas City Chiefs. Is that what the betting favorite is? I think so, yeah. If I— And your least favorite is the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> If I had a bet for my life on the line and the people that were going to whack me were saying, hey, you have one offense to choose from in the NFL to go 80 yards and score a touchdown for your life, you gotta I, go, I'd pick the Chiefs. You gotta go Chiefs. I would pick the Chiefs. I mean, I'm not trusting the Cowboys with that. And Maybe thing, Tom Brady, but I, I think the Chiefs are the best offense in football. Pat Mahomes, you talk about turnovers, has stopped turning the ball over. That he was, hasn't thrown a pick since Week 15. That was his big criticism early on was he hadn't thrown an interception in the month of September in his entire career. Meanwhile, this year he had thrown like five or something. And as you mentioned, Tom, in the last four weeks of the season, or the last three weeks, he has yet to throw an interception. In his eight career starts in the postseason, Patrick Mahomes averages 290 yards per game. It's a little low. He has 21 touchdowns to just four interceptions. Well, that makes sense. Two games Patrick Mahomes has played against the Steelers, 2018, and then this past year, uh, Week 15. So this will be the third meeting with Mahomes at the helm for the Chiefs and the Steelers. I don't know how many touchdowns he had in this past game. Maybe it was three, but I know how many he had in 2018. It was five. It was six. Career high still for him. Six touchdown passes. The Chiefs' offense in those two games have had 18 total possessions against the Steelers. They've scored 10 touchdowns. They've kicked two field goals. They've turned it over just once, and they've only punted three times. So four out of 18 times they came away empty-handed. Everything else against the Steelers has come away with at least putting three points on the board. Can I bet my life and your life if I had to choose one offense? Yeah, apparently that's how that confident good. you should Especially be. when they're against the Steelers. And uh, again, like I said, Mahomes, he didn't throw a pick since week 15 against the Chargers. Um, when you look back at that game in week 15, or week 16, excuse me, against the Chiefs, and I look at the box score and I see that the Chiefs ran the ball more than they passed the ball, that's rare. I mean, the Chiefs are a pass-first offense all the way, and they like to throw the ball about you know five, ten more times than they run the ball, if not more so. And part of, part of the reason why they had a couple more rushes than passes is probably because game's out of hand early. You start to salt that clock away. You start to try to you know slow things down on your end of the offense and just try to get to to quadruple zeros on the board at the end of the fourth quarter as as fast as you can, but. It's still a testament, I think, to we've seen so many coaches outsmart themselves this year. I mean, Stefanski, come on. Just two weeks ago against the Steelers, stopped running the ball. Brandon Staley, Sunday night. 
Brandon Staley, I think, literally called a timeout that cost this team to get into the playoffs. You've said so many times, you know, oh, I don't know. You know, the Chiefs are one team I think the Steelers definitely can't beat, but uh, Titans with Henry, they're not going to stop running the ball. Vrabel's not going to decommit. Well, Reed's the same way, if not better than Vrabel, where he's too good of a coach to just outsmart himself. He's going to run this football because he sees the film and says, this is a terrible rush defense. Mm -hmm. And I think in part with that, too, is Vrabel knows he is the best running back in the in the NFL with Derrick Henry. He would be a fool to go away from him, whereas Brandon Saylor made it just a boneheaded decision. Kevin Stefanski maybe didn't have enough. If it was uh, Derrick Henry on his team rather than Nick Chubb, which is ridiculous because Nick Chubb, I think, is second Probably fiddle. Probably as close as you can get. Yeah, second fiddle to Derrick Henry, but above everybody else, I think Andy Reid can recognize Oh my gosh, I have Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback that anyone any one of us has seen in generations. Sorry, Aaron Rodgers. Sorry, Tom Brady. This guy's skill with the ball is just unmatched. He would be foolish to to just take the ball out of his hands. Yeah, you're right. And it wasn't a crazy discrepancy in the first game. It was 35 rushing attempts to 30 passing attempts from Mahomes. And like I said, the game was out of hand at halftime. So you, you start to change the way you approach the offense. I think it was out of hand before then, too, to be honest. <laughs> Probably after the flea flicker picked was yes, picked off, that that's where you knew I was the game go was gonna yep. go downhill from there. Despite the fact that they were a a five more attempt run heavy offense against the Steelers last time around, uh, Patrick Mahomes still went twenty three for thirty. He had three touchdowns through the air and he had zero interceptions. He was sacked twice. Hayward got him once and Highsmith got him once, but. Really did not feel much pressure in that game from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the thing that really sticks out to me as upsetting in that game was you were dealt an advantage right from the jump with Travis Kelsey not being able to play in this game first time around. He will be available for them in the playoff game this time. Uh, Tyreek Hill was also very questionable leading into that game. You didn't know if you were going to see him until Friday, Saturday of that week. Turns out they didn't even need him. They didn't need him, and he was very pedestrian. He had two targets. He converted them both for catches, and he only had 19 yards. Now, does Tyreek Hill's presence on the field take away from uh, other receivers and get attention from the defensive backs? Of course it does. But that's still a very, very poor game for Tyreek Hill's standards. The problem is you got a guy named Byron Pringle catching six passes for 75 yards, mm-hmm. burning people on the way to the end zone for two touchdowns. You've got McCall a running Hardman back. Got in there. McCall ran 30, uh, 30 yards, but he did yeah, have a touchdown. touchdown. you got a running back who's third on your depth chart in Derek Gore, rushing for 43 yards and catching three passes for 61 yards. So it's kind of like when you were playing LeBron James and he was on the Cavs, or even this year when he's on the Lakers and Davis is hurt, like you can let him get his 35 points and 10 rebounds you and have seven to assists. stop everyone else. Right. So it's the same here. You could let, I would have been fine if Tyreek Hill had eight catches for 110 yards yeah. and two touchdowns if no one else did anything. But you can't have Pringle, you can't have Derek Gore, mm-hmm. you can't have McCole Hardman beating you because then it's over. If those guys are going to be the guys that put you in your grave – you have zero shot at being able to hang with this team. You you have to take away at least the 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 middle of the road players that they have on offense. The Hills and the Kelseys, the all world level players, are going to beat you no matter what. Right. But you can't have the other ones beat you too. It just felt like watching that game, Tom, that the Steelers didn't even believe in themselves going into it. It kind of felt the the general feeling around the city was that yes, you're going to lose this game, but how bad is it going to look? 
I think it's not outlandish for me to say that the same feeling was felt in the locker room. We're going to lose this game. Let's just not embarrass ourselves entirely and allow 56 points like the Dallas Cowboys did later that night, I believe, against the Washington football team. So it's it's tough when you really feel that outmatched. But I don't know if the Steelers are going to have that same mentality going forward. They, right now, are as confident as I've ever seen them in this season so far. I mean, we saw the enthusiasm in the locker room uh, after the Baltimore win, and I just don't think that they feel that big of, un- of an underdog compared to last time. No, it, just, I, it just felt like it was given up so early on in that in that first match. I think when you get into the playoffs, yeah, you get that sense of, you know, you get that second wind almost. You get that that ability to believe in yourself because you're you're in the dance and you start to realize that I don't need any outside control to help me anymore. Mm-hmm. If I win the four games that are in front of me, I lift that Lombardi trophy. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing that anybody else can say about it. So I think you do have that little extra spark back into their the pep back into their step where they won't go into Arrowhead this time and be like, Oh man, this is gonna be a tough one. This is about to be a long sixty minute afternoon for us boys. No, I think you're gonna get them going into Arrowhead and being like, Okay, upsets like this have happened before. Mm-hmm. Why we've been on the other side of those upsets, Tim Tebow. <laughs> Why can't we be the team now that pulls off the shock the world type upset? I'm glad you brought up Tim Tebow. Did you know this is only the fourth time in Ben's career that he has gone on the road as a wild card? Team? Did not know that. So 05. The what Super happened Bowl that year? year? The Super Bowl. They year. won a Super Bowl. Well, they became the only sixteen only team to win three row games on their way to winning a Super Bowl. Until only sixteen until the I Green believe, Bay Packers. No, did I thought it. it was. I thought it was the uh, New York Giants. I think the Packers did it too. The year they beat the Steelers, because I believe they were the sixth seed that year as well. Maybe. Well, maybe they were a sixth seed. They became the second sixth seed, but I think the Giants did so as like the five seed. So they were the second team to win three row games, but the Giants became the second sixth seed. Second time was 2012 or 2011. We're not going to talk about that one. I don't remember what happened. Uh, third time, 2015, 2016 season. Uh, in Cincinnati. So, of That's the three right. times they've done it before, they've won twice, but it came against the same team against division rivals Cincinnati. Last time they played a playoff game in Arrowhead, they won. They did. Complete, <laughs> completely different team, What though, do you mean? On both sides, on the Steelers and on the Chiefs. The Steelers had, that was the prime of, that was the peak of the A.B. LaBelle era. It's the best year of the Killer Bees. Absolutely, by far and well, away. Well, 2017, you could argue statistically, because they but went, they missed and they lost in the playoffs. Right. So. And they had a better record during the regular season, but I still think 2016. But you they go to were, the AFC Championship game. Yes, so. you do. And then, no Patrick Mahomes. Tyreek Hill's a rookie. Alex Travis Smith is your quarterback. Tyreek Hill is a rookie. Um, Travis Kelsey is is just approaching that upper echelon of tight The ends. way they won that game, too, was so gross. Off of six field goals by Boswell. Like, yeah, like you can't beat this kind of Chiefs It took an like Eric that. Fisher hold on James Harrison to put that game away. Y- you can't beat this Chiefs team like that. So how no. do you beat this Chiefs team offensively if you're the Steelers? Well, look back at the last time they played, and it's really upsetting that they were down so fast because they were running the ball really effectively against Kansas City. Najee Harris had 19 carries for 93 yards. 4.9 yards per carry. That's one of his best marks as far as that's concerned mm-hmm. all season. Hell, even Benny Snell got into the act with five carries on 20 yards and four yards per carry. Now, were the Chiefs kind of, you know, taking a back seat? 
when the game gets out of hand and uh, we'll kind of go through the motions and yeah, we'll stop the run, but we're not going to be as prolific at stopping the run. I don't know. I, I don't think that they completely just, you know, wave the white flag and let Najee get 4.9 yards per carry before they brought him down. I think this Chiefs defense can be get on the ground. I think you can have them. I think you can find places against this defense to rack up the yardage, and I think rushing the ball is a really good spot for that to happen. Uh, I think think you can't get down early like the Steelers did in this game because that really takes away your ability to run the ball. Mm -hmm. But I'd love to get the ball first and have a nice drive of, you know, a couple first downs. Even if you do have to punt and it stalls out, just get a couple first downs, get Mm -hmm. Najee kind of feeling the ground game a little bit. And and don't just go three and out, punt the ball right back to the Chiefs, and then it's it's doomsday all over. Or have your worst offensive play call of the year in that flea flicker. Ooh, that's a debate for a whole other episode. Worst offensive play call of the year by the Steelers. I I know that's a very strong because debate there are so There's many a lot bad ones. I mean, I think about the fourth down that they tried to go for against. Was it the Chargers? Uh, I can't remember what team it was against. Oh, uh, where they t- where, they tossed it to the outside. Was it, I thought that was against that like, was the, the Chiefs. Bang, I thought it was no, a, that was against the Chiefs oh, it because was the Chiefs. Melvin Ingram was the guy who made the play right. on Najee Harris because he got strung out. Well, there was a couple early on against the Bengals and the Raiders where it was the exact same thing. Maybe it was on third down rather than fourth, but I think there was a fourth down thrown in there where it was just there was no chance of it converting. Yeah, that's a whole another debate. A whole flea flicker's a bad one though. Flea flicker's flea flicker was really bad, especially because you're in the it, like. There's no need for it. No. There was no threat to run the ball yet. You haven't established the run yet at that point in the game. And it's almost Oh, like you're talking about the fourth and two. Fourth and two where they tossed it. Where they it. pitched it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Melvin Ingram yeah. strung him out yeah. and just yeah. made an easy play. Like, yep. It was a terrible play call. That was a bad one. Call. That was a bad one. Awful play call. You, <laughs> just don't, you just don't understand your personnel whenever you make that kind of play call. What about the um, choice by Ben this past week against Baltimore throwing to Ray Ray down the field in double coverage? Questionable, but not as questionable as the not flea, the, flea not flicker, the where you yeah. throw the ball up to double coverage and it's and a it's, flea flicker. It's like, a flea flicker, and you throw the ball about fifteen yards. You're yeah. not fooling anyone. You got to wait, and you have to establish the run sure. for the flea flicker sure. to be effective. No one is really fear, fearing, and and you did establish the run throughout the game. But at that point, no one was really fearing. Uh, well, the flea flicker Najee came Harris. on your what? Your your second offensive possession. Now, Ray Ray McLeod had the second most targets in that game against the the Chiefs. He had not, uh, eight, caught four of them for 25 yards. The leading target getter was Deontay. But he only he, caught about half of them, right? Uh, he's six for nine. Okay. But 51 yards and a touchdown. He fumbled one. He yes, dropped he, he dropped a couple other passes as well. Ever since this Chiefs game and ever since he said, you know, I wish I was in the Pro Bowl, I should have made the Pro That's Bowl. That's after, after, after the game yeah. happened. But in that game, bad. he had that fumble. He hasn't been as good as he has been all year long. He's been a shell of himself, and they need a weapon like him to come through in a game like this, or even a weapon like Chase Claypool, who I think had a pretty good game against the Ravens despite not showing up much mm-hmm. on the stat sheet receiving-wise. He was the team's leading rusher in that game against Baltimore. But one of those two guys has to step up big time. Uh, you didn't have Fryermuth the last time around, so I think that helps a ton the Chiefs are abysmal at stopping tight ends for the opposing mm-hmm. team. So, Fryermuth coming off of a big clutch game against the Ravens, I think he can have a nice say about things on the offensive side of the ball here. But I look at Claypool and I look at Deontay and I say, guys, one of you guys has to have an eight catch flirting with 100 yards mm-hmm. 
performance and you got to get into the end zone because with how limited Ben is, you can't have limitations in your receiving room too. It's just you have to be able to throw the ball in this game to win. You have to be able to throw the ball somewhat in the playoffs in order to win. So I I look at Deontay, I look at Chase Claypool, and I think, guys, this is you, you really need to step up in this game here. And to be quite honest, the receiving room as a whole might be the biggest disappointment of a position group on the season just based on expectations they had coming in. Well, you can do a good job of kind of maybe smoothing some of that over with a lot of us if you go out and ball in the playoffs. That's the problem, though. Do you have the confidence they can do that? Chase Claypool, maybe. I think Chase Claypool has been on the upswing. That's weird to think that, and I don't know if I disagree with you, but that Chase Claypool's got they the They just seem potential. to be trending, and I when I say they, I mean Deontay and Chase, to be trending in the opposite directions. Chase Claypool has not just been making catches, but coming up with big plays, both through the air and on the ground. We saw him have two big carries for the Steelers on, on Sunday against the Ravens. Meanwhile, Deontay is becoming a little more second fiddle when— We've been saying all year we think Deontay's the number one guy. Well, basically, they're all second fiddle to Ray Ray. Because <laughs> yeah, Ray Ray, Ray gets Ray's target after target, target after target, target yep, after most target. Catches, yep. He had an opportunity to make a sliding catch against the Ravens that he missed. Uh, should have been caught. Little low of a pass, obviously, and it's raining, but should catch that. You should catch it. But, but then it, he made up for it by having a later. really big combat catch, so... Can't really have too much negative to say about Ray Ray. I don't even know if you could ever really say much about Ray Ray negatively in the first place because I think your ire more sits towards the coaching staff and the game plan. That's, using him. That's using him as you much as You can't fault are. him if the play is going to him. I mean, that's that's the play call. We've I, questioned all year why is he playing. Like, what? how long until James Washington steps up in front of him? Like, it ain't going to happen. They like Ray Ray more than James. You, if they had to pick one to bring back, they year, gonna, I think it'd they're going to bring Ray Ray. I think they would too. I th- do you think it has to do with James his skill level may be receding a little bit? I don't know. Partially, I think it might have something to do with that. It might have something to do with the fact that he asked for a trade at the beginning of the yeah, year. Yeah, but then but nothing then happened. Him. And you need him, too, because sure. when Juju goes down, it's all hands on deck. So how do you feel, just really quickly, about a receiving core next year of Claypool, Deontay, Juju, Ray Ray? I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it because I'm Juju's okay a big it. upgrade. I'm okay with it. I don't think we'll be as high on it as we were in 2021 heading into the season sure. where we were thinking, wow, this could be one of the best. Like they did those things where they listed, oh, best receiving cores in football and like the Bills were up there and the, the Vikings and the obviously were And the Steelers were like 20. Yeah, and we were like, you know what? That's being slept on a little bit. They're probably they have a guys. top 10 team Yeah, as they have guys. Concerned. They don't have the number one guy. Now we see. We were wrong. They were more towards the 20s. And that's why I think there's still potential there if that's your core coming back next year. But I'll have a little bit more skepticism than I did this also, year. Also, too, you have to think who's going to be throwing the ball. Well, it's probably going to be Mason. But, yeah. yeah, you have to think. That's, that's what I'm a, saying. If it's Mason Rudolph getting the ball out there, it's they're going to be even less effective than they were this year. And finally, one last little note on the uh, game in Week 16 uh, before we wrap up and move on to this current matchup in our later episode. But the pressure that they got on Mahomes was just abysmal in that first matchup. Uh, This is what the Steelers' bread and butter is on defense for the fifth straight year. They led the NFL in team sacks with 55 this year. Uh, I think the next closest was Minnesota with about 52. Uh, Cam Hayward had a sack. He had a tackle for loss. Um, Alex Highsmith had another sack. No tackles for loss for him, though. There were three total quarterback hits in the game. Adams had one, Highsmith had one, and Hayward obviously had the other one. So two sacks, three quarterback hits. I mean, he was just setting up a campfire back there all day long and, and doing whatever he wanted. And 
The thing that's so extra frustrating about Mahomes is when the pocket breaks down, that's probably when he's at his best. So you almost have to play like a dummy game with him, and you have to rush him, but you can't all out rush him. It has to. You be... You have to contain a pocket mm-hmm. while you rush. If you like jailbreak blitz him and chaos ensues, he'll roll out to his right and he will throw he, a dime on his Or just right. run for 20 yards. So you have to kind of keep that pocket containment kind of the same way you play against Lamar. You kind of have to use the same principles as that against Mahomes. Now Mahomes is night and day a better passer than Lamar Jackson is. But those same principles as far as maintaining that pocket and containing him I think apply as far as, as stopping him and, sure. and trying to limit his ability to get outside, extend a play, and really cause a lot of damage. Now, one thing that I'm really flipping back and forth on here is blitzing. Steelers, at the beginning of the year, obviously didn't want to blitz at all. They wanted to rush four. Injuries happened. Still wanted to try to rush four. Wasn't working. Started to see them blitz more and more and more and more, although it's still not to the point that they maybe should be doing. It's a real tough question to ask yourself. Do I blitz or do I not blitz against Mahomes? Because if four isn't getting any pressure and keeping him in that pocket and making him uncomfortable, it's over for you. He'll just spend all day back there picking you apart. But if you bring six and they don't get home or he is able to escape and extend the play, your secondary, as good as it's played recently, I think, is just in trouble against all that speed and weapons on the field and him being an incredibly accurate passer. Well, the problem with this Chiefs team is it's not just Patrick Mahomes who's good at, at everything. Well, good at everything, but I'm saying I'm trying to say good at making plays when they're not there. Because it's equally Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. They have come to know kind of and you made this point going into the the first matchup that relationship between Mahomes and Kelsey and, and and Hill reminds you of the early on relationship between Ben and AB, where AB was able to recognize if Ben's not seeing the route that he wants or seeing the option he wants, and he's maybe getting a little bit extra time in the pocket or rolling out, AB will find a way to get open. Yeah, so all that, the time. That that ingenuity or that that creativeness uh, by 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 Mahomes, is matched equally by Hill and Kelsey. They know exactly what to do if if he gets an extra second or two in the pocket or if he's rolling out. They're going to be able to get open, and that's where the problems arise for the Steelers is the fact that maybe they have the right rush, but it doesn't matter because Hill and Kelsey are just so dangerous down the field even before the catch is made. Absolutely, and you got to avoid the turnovers, like we said, if you're the Steelers. Um Chavarius Ward got a pick against Ben on that flea flicker, and the Chiefs are one of the best teams at putting the ball in the dirt and getting a fumble. Well, good thing Najee Harris set the record for most carries by a rookie without fumbling the football. Mm -hmm. That guy has got ball security branded on his left butt cheek. He does not fumble the football, and I just cursed him a million times, and he's going to fumble on his first carry against the Chiefs now because... That's the way it works when you work in our field. You say something into a microphone demonstratively, and it absolutely comes to bite you in the butt immediately after. But I, for a team that punches the ball out a lot and a team that puts the ball on the ground a lot and gets the gets the football back, love keeping it in Najee's hand. Not so excited about keeping it in Deontay's hand, though. No, I mean, 
for that for that reason exactly. He fumbled on his that. own last time around. Let's see if Legarius Sneed throws a punch at him this time. Well, it's not happens. only that, but it wasn't even his first error. It wasn't even his uh, first error of the game. Right. Well, first error of the game, first fumble of the season. Right. Either. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, it's amazing that, De- uh, that Najee Harris is so key or so locked in when it comes to holding on to the ball. I, I saw on Twitter somewhere that he and only one other running back have ever ran the ball at least or touched the ball 380 times and never fumbled. I think it was Saquon, right? No, it's some guy named Gerald Riggs. Ah, uh, you, you don't remember Gerald Riggs? For the Falcons and, yeah, and the Falcons and the Washington team. football team. Gerald Riggs, the big rig is what they used to call him. Really? I don't know. I'm making this all up. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard. As always, we appreciate you guys giving us a listen. Lots more to break down when it comes to Steelers Chief. We'll get into the current day matchup for Wild Card Weekend in a later episode, so keep an ear and eye out for that. For Jacob Brecht, I'm Tom Opperman, and this has been the Steelers Standard.